0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I got to tell you a little story this morning and kind of get you guys up to speed to lead up to the big news. Um, And then we'll roll into some of our Psalm and Journey to God stuff that really tie into the big news. All right. So, um... As you guys know, most of you know that uh, Real Life Church has been in Pullman for a number of years. It's actually been 12 years since Real Life started in Pullman uh, with Easter services at SEL, and then they were there for a number of years, and then since then bounced around a little bit and then landed here, and we've now been here almost a couple years already, like it goes fast. Um and ever since we've been in Pullman, um, even though the church branched off and bought the mall over in uh, Moscow and launched that campus over there, Pullman's always remained. Like there's never not been in all that time a real life church going in Pullman. Uh, the challenge in Pullman is it's been a, a church without a home for a long time. And our, our heart's desire has always been to be, first off and foremost, about reaching people for Jesus one person at a time. And that is the The drumbeat that we march to. That is what drives us. That is what we do. And whatever circumstances we're in, uh, the method might change, but the vision never changes. Like we're always about reaching people one person at a time to help them know how to trust and follow Jesus. And in the way we've been doing it, because of our uh, uh, homelessness, because of our random, you know, using different places for different things, it has definitely created some extra work and some extra obstacles to, doing ministry because you spend a lot of time doing stuff to get ready for ministry that's not actually people. And so um, we're really, really excited about what God has been up to behind the scenes. And so a couple of a couple months ago, uh, Terry, um, I was going to say y'all should give him hugs when you see him, but there's that COVID thing. So give him uncomfortable air hugs when you walk by because because, right, like, because he's awesome, and it'll make him, you know, bashful and embarrassed, and that'll be fun, right? You're welcome. He's, he's giving me the daggers over there right now. Uh, so a couple of months ago, Terry came to us as an eldership and just said, hey, um, I really want you guys to start praying about something. Uh, there's a building. It just keeps coming up on my heart. Like, I, every time I drive by it, I just feel like there's something there. And uh, I know the owner, and we've had a couple of conversations like, I don't know if it's even in the ballpark for us. but but And so then what, what all of us normal guys do, we start saying, well, how much is it, and can we afford it, and win this, and, how much? and he's like, time out. I really feel like God's just really pressing on us um, to just lean in and just pray about it. And we'd been going through a, a study in Nehemiah at the time that was kind of speaking into some guidance that we felt like God was giving us to just pull back and pray. Like, don't just jump in and try and fix it. Like, first, let's just listen and seek the Lord. And so so for several weeks, uh, our elders prayed and fasted and just really asked God for guidance and direction. We didn't talk any numbers. We didn't talk any dates. We didn't talk any budget. We didn't talk any, any building scenarios. We just prayed. And as we were getting together and um, just you know, reporting back kind of to each other what God was uh, saying to us, there was just a real sense of peace that, um, that this was something that we needed to pursue as a church. And, and so now the original price of the building uh, that it was listed for was way beyond our reach um and i'm not saying way like a little way, like a lot way. Like i got a $200,000 house budget and i'm shopping in the $500,000 house neighborhood trying to figure out how i can buy it for 180. We're in that that's the ballpark we're talking about to give you a reference, right? Like it's out of our league. Um and so but we're like we all just have this sense that we're just supposed to pray. And so they they say, "Hey, let's let's reach out to the owner. Let's have a conversation." Um and so we have some conversations, and through the course of that conversation, he, uh, he really likes the idea of a church being in there. And he had this really awesome mindset about like, what works well for the community long-term really matters to him and his wife and his family. And there's other things that could go in that building, but he loved the idea of something like us going in that building that would be an asset to people in our community. And so he just had this really cool perspective. And so that started conversations. And then there's a, a lender that's worked with all the real life churches over the years and helped support uh, lending money to churches. They've come and done presentations for us over the years and people have invested money with them. They're called the Solomon Foundation. And so we had, uh, fortunately enough, as uh, luck would have it, right, the CEO of Solomon Foundation was in the area. And so we were able to get him to come do a tour of this building and check it all out. And he walked out of there just going, I really like this place for XYZ. And he does lots of this stuff. And he had all these reasons that made sense to him. And there was all this stuff that he liked about it. We stand out there and do a little bit of uh, penciling out, you know, good old napkin budget, right? You know, like, we're just sort of like, is this even in the ballpark for us? We sort of feel like it's not. <laughs> we're like, we, we know where we're at. And, uh, and then on top of it, there's COVID and there's all these crazy circumstances that we're in. And he comes back to us and says, well, I, um, I feel really good about it. And, uh, your elders feel really good about it. And, and we feel good about giving you guys, uh, X amount of money. Um, X amount of money that he felt good about giving us was a lot less than what they wanted to sell the building for. And so we're sort of like, we're sort of still shopping in the $500,000 neighborhood with a $200,000 budget. And uh, and he says, so this is the number that, that I think you guys need to buy it for. And and so we go back and forth. We sat down. We have a meeting with the owner and his wife. And we share some details with them uh, about our church. And they start to kind of catch a vision for who we are and what we're about and what we do in the community. And, and um, we present them our humble offer. <laughs> um, and... And you could see the disappointment initially on their face. It was sort of like, wow, that was not, that was, you're in the wrong neighborhood, right? I know of a house you guys could get. It's just not over here, right? And it was like, and they're super kind and super gracious people. And so we went, had some back and forth and, and there was some cool things that were going on behind the scenes with them and business and numbers and finances and all kinds of cool stuff that's unique to this year and this year only and and so they call us back up about a week later and have a meeting with us and Terry and I sit down with him and the three of us sat down to have a meeting um to kind of assuming we're getting a counter offer that's way out of our league um if you've ever had your heart, your heart set on a house and then just found out it was not in your ballpark and you sort of like your heart sinks you're like oh that was the one i really wanted we were sort of preparing for one of those kind of meetings and and He has goosebumps all the way up his arms, and he's got tears in his eyes, and he says, you know, for the last four or five days, my wife and I have just wrung ourselves out over you guys being in this building. Like, it just feels right. And um, we've talked with our accountant, we've looked at the numbers, and we've figured stuff out, and, and this is, you know, he's like, this is one of the biggest deals, if not the biggest deal I'll ever do, probably for the rest of my life. And he's like, I know you guys were expecting a counter offer, um, but I'm here to tell you that uh, you're not going to get one. We're going to take your offer. And, uh, and we, uh, by God's grace, are um, able to move into a $500,000 neighborhood and a $200,000 budget, right? So it's pretty exciting stuff. Pretty, pretty amazing, amazing stuff. Um, So and then the cool things just keep on coming. The building, as you probably all want to know about by now, right? Uh, The building happens to be in a location in Pullman that has a flat parking lot, which if you've been to Pullman, that's a plus. It happens to have multiple entrances in and out and a turn lane, which is a plus in Pullman and really hard to find. It happens to be on one of the busiest streets in Pullman with almost 10,000 cars a day driving by it. Um, And so it's uh, the old uh, laser tag building where uh, on grand, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. So that whole building from, there is some rental, uh, Stuart title is in the end of it. The whole building is uh, what we'll be purchasing and all the land and everything associated with that. And so Um, we're super, super excited uh, about what that means for us as a church, because for us as a church, um, it's never been, obviously, we've been doing this for a long time without a building, it's never been about a building, but any of you guys uh, in here that have ever done anything, you've ever built anything, if you don't have the right tools, you can probably figure out a way to build the thing, which is what we've been doing for a lot of years. We've been figuring out how to make disciples and reach the world for Jesus one person at a time with not the best tools, and uh, it's so much easier to build and accomplish what you set out to do when you have the right tools for the job. And so for for us, the building is just a tool and it's a tool to help us reach our community, serve our community. It's a tool for us to make space and, uh, um, available to our community. We've always had a dream of, a of, all week long church, not a Sunday destination. We've had opportunities to go to the country and buy land. We've had opportunities with people that have been really generous to work with us on some land, uh, outside of town in different places, but would put us in a position where we would have been a Sunday destination kind of church. Like no one's going to drive by and see us on a Tuesday and find out that there's something there to help them. And so we've always wanted to be an all week long church that, oh, by the way, we happen to make that building work on a Sunday for church, but it's, it's very much used throughout the week. And so we're excited for that. Um, So that is coming up a couple of quick things to to just uh, help answer a couple of quick questions that I know will come. It's closing fast. And so we're looking at an early December close, is the proposed stuff. And so, um, and then right after that, as fast as we can, Lord willing, y'all can absolutely be praying about all the logistics that it all keeps coming together the way it has because uh, we need it built out fast. Um, It's empty right now. And so, the sooner we get it built out, the sooner we get to move in. Um, And so, that's always exciting. Um, and so we're th- we're talking like probably spring, early summer-ish, you know, th- how that stuff goes. And so there's somewhere along those lines we'll be um, moving into there. Um, we're going to put together some stuff on our website with kind of FAQ and update. Also, we're going to add a section to our newsletter that we send out every week that'll have kind of the news of the week. So we'll give you every week. We'll give you just sort of keep you in the know right? Like I'm huge on trying to communicate and just be real transparent about what's going on and where we're going and how it's going. And so if you're not subscribed to the real life newsletter, make sure you are, because that'll be a place where you're going to get updates every week about what's going on and sharing cool stories about how God's working through this. So um, I just know how God works and I can't wait to hear about the electrician that came to wire it that heard about Jesus, right? Like that's what matters to me. Not that there's a building, right? So, um, all right. So now you're going to get the world's most condensed Psalm 123 sermon. Are you ready? I want to read Psalm 123 with you, and I'm going to hit over the highlights really quick. um, And then I'm going to spend a lot of time just kind of talking with us about uh, Romans, okay? So, uh, here, and I'll tell you why in a second. Psalm 123 in this series that we're in, this one, this stop on the journey to God is called service, and really it's more about like an attitude of servitude, like we're in service to King Jesus, like we serve a great God. So that kind of uh, attitude of service is what we're looking for. And so we'll unpack it just a little bit and then talk about what it looks like for us as a church to be Uh, this kind of body. And so Psalm 123 goes like this. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. For we've had our fill of contempt, and we've had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. And so The very beginning of this verse talks about posture. It says, I lift my eyes up to the Lord. God of, it's enthroned in the heavens. And so there's this, there's this thing about being in servitude to the Lord. Like it starts with a a right posture, a right attitude. God's up there. I'm down here. I lift my eyes up to the Lord, like we have a right position. I'm not talking to you like an equal. I'm not looking down at you, uh, telling you what I want you to do, like you're in servitude to me. I lift my eyes up to God. And the next chunk talks about expectations, that we look to God for mercy. The the psalmist is crying out to God for mercy, like we're expectantly looking for, for mercy. And one of the challenges with expectations is we oftentimes can come to God with the wrong expectations. We can come to God, you know, with expectations um, more along the lines of like, uh, you know, trying to to come to God like the genie in the bottle type of thing. You know, like if I just say the right prayer, I'm going to get what I want. Or if I follow the right formula, if there's two or three of us there, it's a guarantee right? Like it's a magic formula or something, and that's not a right expectation. We can come to God with the expectation that like, um, you know, you should really punish me because of all the bad stuff that I've done. And if, and if you did, it would make me feel better, right? Like I deserve it. And so expecting God to give you what you deserve, and that's really not a right expectation. The other thing is you can... Um, kind of come to God with this idea that, like, you should be nice to me because look at what a good person I've been. Look at how nice I am to, uh, to people. And so shouldn't you treat me that way? And instead, we get this picture and this reminder in this psalm that the right expectation is, like, we get our posture right. We lift our eyes to the Lord. We come to the Lord with this expectation of, really, all I'm expecting, Lord, all I'm calling out for is mercy, I don't really want what I deserve. I don't want what I don't understand. I'm not even sure what to ask for. What I really want is to know that I, that I can receive mercy from you. And then the last thing in that psalm kind of talks about urgency, this idea that at the very end of it says, we've had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Like, like we've, I've had it up to here, right? Like, I think probably a few people in the room could relate, to the idea that like you've reached the boiling point a time or two in your life where I've had it up to here. Um, at, right now I have so many people in the, the social media world where it's like, man, you can't even post something nice because you just get attacked for everything. Like I've had it up to here with everybody and their opinions and their attitudes and their teardowns and their put downs and the blech, right? Like I can't take it anymore. That's sort of where this psalmist ends up is like, I've had it up to here. With the, with the arrogant and the proud and the put downs of this world. And so there's this urgency about crying out to the Lord intervene, help, do something. Like, how do we, like, Lord, we need your mercy, we need your help. And I think probably a lot of us can relate to that psalm. And sometimes it's good to be reminded about our posture. It's good to be reminded about a right expectation that we are in servitude to the Lord, not him serving us. And and then what I want to spend a little bit of time on um, is uh, Romans 12. Because when it comes to us really walking out our faith, practically as a church like what is it you can read a psalm like this and go okay lift your eyes to the Lord expect mercy Uh, you know it's okay to have some urgency and like really cry out to God to intervene like like we need your help we want you involved in this but then like there's this like moments like this psalm where you have this transparent vulnerable real conversation between you and God and then there's tomorrow and, and you're going to get up tomorrow, and what do you actually do as a Christian? Like, as an individual, how do you, like, walk out? How do you follow up on a being real with God conversation? What does that actually look like as a person? And then what does that look like for us as a church? Because as we step out in faith and, and are trying to be the church God wants us to be, it's so important that we've got our eyes on the right definition, on the right description, on the right vision of what it looks like, and I think it's really good to be reminded of what it would look like for us personally and what it would look like for us collectively. And so I want to read through uh, Romans 12:13 and 14 really all has this awesome picture of what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. Right? It just really maps it out. I want to read through Romans 12 with us together. I'm reading it out of the message translation, particularly today, because it's just a really brass tacks, plain English version. And it helps us just really hear what does it, if somebody could map out for us, what do we need to focus on? What do we need to not focus on? What do we need to be careful of? Like, what are our instructions this week? And every week thereafter, Paul really maps it out in an amazing way in Romans 12. And so I want to give you a little assignment. Grab a pen, and uh, it's written out in your notes in the message, because probably a lot of you didn't have your message Bible with you today. Um, that was a joke. Ha, ha, ha. You guys online couldn't hear. Everybody laughed. Um, So uh, what I want you to do is grab your pen. And as I'm reading through this, I really want you to just be sensitive. Just be listening, reading along, and be sensitive to what is God showing you? What is your part? What do you think maybe God is directing you to work on or to grow in? Because as we uh, strive to be these kind of people that Paul describes here, Uh, It's going to shape our community as a church, and it's going to bleed out into the kind of place that we're going to invite people into and the kind of family we're going to invite people to be a part of. And this really is such an awesome description of the kind of family um, I think all of us want to be. And so let's go. Romans 12 starts like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we're like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves uh, with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil and hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. And if you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch, or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Man, if there was ever a passage of scripture that would be a dream to describe us as a family, that's it to be a place where we could have everybody come and, and and find Christ and as they find their relationship and faith in Christ they they find that they're uh, they find that they're a fit in a family They find that there's a spot for them, that the way they were made, that they, they don't have to keep comparing themselves to everybody else, that here is a place where they don't feel like they get compared. They don't feel like they're trying to get pigeonholed into some, be somebody they're not. They feel like they're invited and encouraged and and that people that we, that we as a family, we actually love them. And we actually want to get to know them, and we actually want to help them be the very best version of themselves, and whether that's serving or preaching or teaching or praying or being hospitable or you name it, we want to help people be and put into practice who they really are. And to be that kind of a church, to be the kind of church where when you invite somebody to come, you know what to expect. You, you're like, I, I don't have to worry that if I invite somebody that's got a weird church history or had hard things happen to them in the past, or they're really unsure about going to the church, I don't have to worry about how people are going to treat them when they get here. If, if I bring somebody here, I know what they'll get because I know what I got when I came. People looked at me, they, they looked me in the eye, they saw me, they said hello to me, they cared about me, they shook my hand, they said they loved me, and then they actually seemed like they meant it. And we did life together and we started to become friends and I started to watch as people were building relationships outside of our gatherings and people were connected and serving and loving each other well and like that is the church that God will bring lost people to. He says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. As we start to try and help people learn how to be the best worker that they are, who God made them to be, there is no shortage of harvest. And I just dream, I think, with everybody here of what it would be like to continue for us to just grow in a reputation of being that kind of church, of being that kind of family, Where after a few visits here, people just go like, yeah, I couldn't imagine going anywhere else. Like, this is where I fit. If that was one of the most common things that people say when they come here, is I just feel like I fit, it feels like it makes sense, I belong here, then we are hitting home runs being the family of Christ. So I'm excited for our future in Pullman And lots and lots of years to come and lots and lots of baptisms to come. In fact, uh, speaking of baptisms, you see the tank up here. We've got uh, baptisms uh, second service today. Um, And as it works out, oh shucks, uh, we've got them for the next three weeks. And so uh, you guys got to know, God is on the move. There are people committing their lives to Christ. There are people uh, who have been walking with Christ for years who are um, bending a knee and going, I need to be baptized. I'm I'm in, right? Like there are people who are having God conversations. We had uh, one of our gals on the online team that's uh, helping doing the online stuff that led somebody to the Lord a couple of days ago through Facebook connection. Like God is at work in our church, and it's pretty dang cool stuff. So... I'm going to finish with communion, and uh, I just wanted to let make sure all of you know, in here in first service, online and in person, we're live streaming second service, and we will be live streaming the baptism too, so if uh, you want to tune back in um, towards the end of second service and uh, watch the baptism, and uh, I, I would encourage you, uh, the the folks getting baptized are definitely going to... Uh, share that um, video with their friends and family and stuff. And so if you tune back in, be sure to comp- like, comment on there and, and uh, celebrate with them. It's a really big deal. Welcome her to the family. So um, let's get our little uh, communion cups open. As a church, we take communion every week, and so if you're new with us today or watching online for the first time, uh, that's part of what we do as a family is we take communion every week because we don't want to get far away from remembering what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, and so every week when we gather together as family, we dig into God's word, we worship together, we encourage each other, we spur each other on to continue to, to stay in the race. And then we also remember that all of this is available because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so the, this morning as we finish up, we're going to remember the body of Christ that was given for us as we eat the bread. And the same way, we take the cup and we remember the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So let's take the cup. Let's pray. God, we love you, and you are awesome. And we thank you so much, Lord, for all of your provisions, the amazing, unbelievable ways that you are at work in providing for us, God. That uh, with the the building stuff coming together, the difference that means for us as a church in Pullman, the the ministry that can happen there, the people that can connect there, the the stories that will revolve around people serving and celebrating and counseling and and being helped because of a a place it's just unbelievable lord it's so cool and god that that every time we go into that building down the road we'll never forget that there was no way we could ever got there on our own Like the song says, Lord, that you move mountains, you make a way when there is no way. That building for us as a family is a testimony. Every time we walk onto that parking lot or go into the door, we remember that you made a way when there was no way. Help it build our faith. Every time we go there. So Lord, we love you. We just pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.